With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello there. This episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete is brought to you by Dummy the Web Series. Starring, written, and directed by our buddy Joe Dallow and also starring Izzy Diaz, Dummy is the very funny story of Sammy and Donnie. One's a dummy, one isn't. Maybe they both are. I don't know. Go check it out. Episode 3 is up, where they go in search of an agent. It's pretty funny. Go check it out. Go to YouTube.com, search Dummy the Web Series, and subscribe to the channel so you can get all the episodes as soon as they come out. I know they're working on Episode 4 as we speak. Go check it out. And now it's time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Talking New York sports nice. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're tonight's entertainment. Hold the phone. Hey, brother. <laughs> Look, it's serious. Serious. We could make you delirious. Delirious. Just a bit outside. Just got to stop, man. We keep having the same conversation. Hello there, and welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, episode number 218, New York Sports Talk Podcast. Hi, coming to you live from Comac, New York, Bayside, New York, and Freehold, New Jersey. Time for another episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Hi, number 218. I am Sam Pete, also known as Steve Sampietro. Um, Thank you for joining us tonight. If you are joining the live stream, awesome. Uh, or if you're checking this out on the podcast tomorrow, this weekend, hi. Right now, it is 10 p.m. It is Thursday, February the 19th, 2015. It's time for you to load and Go get some coffee if you're listening to the stream. Go have a glass of wine. If you're doing this on, like, Saturday morning and you're on the exercise bike because it's 1986, <laughs> exercise bike. Um, uh, in, go get it Get after it Thank you for listening to the podcast and all that stuff So we've got a ton to talk about tonight It's going to be a great show We're going to be joined by Brad Callett From CBS.com uh, He writes about the Mets there and baseball uh, New guest, never had him on We're really excited to have Brad on um, We uh, have a ton to talk about with the Mets As pitchers and catchers reported today To spring training And so um it's time to talk Mets baseball. 
Uh, Brad is also a very big Pearl Jam fan. I'm sure we will we will talk about that, much to the chagrin of Bishop uh, Pop Culture PJ. Um, hi, welcome to the show. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the Islanders and the Rangers, about 20, 25 games left. Um, they are really coming down to the wire. It is really quite fascinating uh, to see where this Islanders team is. Huge game tonight. I'm not going to spoiler alert it, um, but they were playing the Nashville Predators, the team with the best record in the NHL. And so we're going to talk about the Islanders and the, and the Rangers as well. New York hockey alive and kicking. But uh, it will be a bit of a Mets show for a bit. So let's get uh, to it and bring in the co-host of the program. He's the co-host of every Kel. one of the 218 episodes we have done of this show. Cal. And he's one of my best friends. And I really feel... No, I'm just I'm totally kidding around. He's uh, Mr. Brian Calneva Calpino Caliente. Hi, I went Peter Brady there. Hi, Brian. Hi, Steve. Hi. Hi. What's up, buddy? Not much. Can you uh, can you get a little closer to your mic? Perhaps? Nope. <laughs> Negative? Cannot no. do it. Will not do it. The long flowing robes. Splendid. Really. Striking. Is that better for you? That's magnificent. All right, great. You sound great. I forgot to mention, too, we're going to do the fun load. It may be part of the regular episode, or it may be a part two, uh, about Saturday Night Live. We have to, because of SNL 40. Um, and I'm just, I'm chomping at the bit to talk about SNL. And we'll see where that leads, but that's where I want to start. Uh, what's up, buddy? Not much. We did that already. But you couldn't hear me, so let's do it again. Yeah, and I was I was asking again because uh, uh, I feel like something's up. What What do you think is up? I don't know. All right. I mean, I don't know why. <laughs> My detective skills tell me that something is going on. So, based on the first thirteen seconds of our conversation, yes, you have deduced that something is up. Correct. Okay. You're wrong. All right, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing up at all. How's uh, how's the week going? It is um, it is bitter cold. You know I don't talk um, much about the cold. Not usually not. No. Because no. uh, I'm a big, you know, the weather is what it is where you live. Like, you know, what are you gonna do? Except you seem to talk about it every week. Except every week now. Other than that, not at all. So other than that, very rarely. No, just let it slide. Um, it's. Very cold. It's, it's I feel too like cold. It's too cold. We are we are smack dab in the middle of the worst part of the year, hands down, by far, bar none. <laughs> this stretch of time between President's Day and Easter, right, is the worst period of time, weather-wise, of the year in the Northeast. Where we are, yes, yes, in the Northeast. We should, if, you, if you're in California, if you're in San Diego, or well, maybe it is. Maybe you're like my wife and children who are in Texas. Right. And I get videos of, you know, the little guy running around the backyard like a maniac. T-shirt in his shirt sleeves. In his shirt. Running around laughing at me. <laughs> 
Daddy, it's awesome here. It's it's not at all cold, and I'm awesome. I'm running everywhere, and it's mag oh, and it's magnificent. Wonderful. That's great. Yeah, he's he's look. He's a bit of a he rubs it in a little bit. He's a pip. He is a pip. <laughs> How come right? they don't use pip anymore? Yeah. I like I pip. Like maybe. Well, I think maybe Gladys Knight retired it. <laughs> yeah, for a little guy though, he's a pip. Look at this guy. He is. A spitfire. He is. But they're enjoying the uh, the wonderful weather in Texas. Good for them. Yeah. This doesn't go to when we go there in, like, July, and it's 173 degrees. That's hot. It's a slight exaggeration, but really only slight. Is that the real feel? That's that's the real feel. <laughs> is that trademarked? Is that that's trademarked? a new term, right? No. That's a new term, right? Real feel? How is that not copyrighted? gotta be did you just make that up no i didn't i probably got us got us in a lot of trouble by <laughs> using it <laughs> we're probably in a great deal of hot well, speaking of hot water let's bring oh, in yeah let's bring in the bishop <laughs> because he's he's in a lot of hot water uh-oh right now what did he do here it is I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to tell me what you did wrong. I did what I had to do, and I'd do it again. Darn it. This intro music is just so, it's just on the next. (laughs) What am I looking for? It's like on the next. We've done Quincy with this music, but there's something better. He's got to be a medical examiner, right? You think? Like a... Like a... Come on. It's it like a CSI type scoring. thing. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was written as a score, right? Yeah. Yeah. PJ scored yeah. many films. Did you know that, Cal? Yes. And by many, I mean one. Fight scene. Mm-hmm. This was uh, written under a fight scene. Under no. A, no. Sorry. No. Negative. You you are in a medical laboratory with one light, and you're pouring over DNA. Well, was, this, it was a fight. It was a fight scene that was only captured on like a grainy closed circuit TV camera. So what? Was, you know, it was being observed from a strange point of view. Not enough guitars for that. Yeah, definitely not. You got to bring that. No, <laughs> oh, sorry. Got to be like a bam. I won't allow it. circuit TV. That's at least three guitars. <laughs> that's a three guitar minimum. There's a formula. Hold, hold on. Let is me there, get out my conversion is, chart. Is there a VHS playback machine in the shot? Seven guitars. You're going to need seven guitars. If you go to the back of those old black Little and white marble notebooks, right next to the multiplication table is the conversion <laughs> chart. For instruments when scoring. Man, I wish I had that. Which was a complete gamble, because it's really like a niche need, I feel like. It seemed to work out well, though. Yeah. Like the the Mead uh, marble notebook with the multiplication table and conversion chart for scoring a film. (laughs) It was only done in one printing. They they didn't reprint it. You had to get it the one year it came out. Very popular in, in Hollywood. Very popular with the with the kids at Beverly Beverly Hills High, 
certainly. By the way, I, in one of my seven monitors that I have going right now, silently in the background, um, there is some Amanda Peet. I just wanted you to know. Oh, and your monitor's ruined. Is she ruining <laughs> the monitor? She actually she ruining the monitor. She equipment now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> She's on togetherness on the HBO. Is that right? Did, did you know about the togetherness? I won't watch it. It has Amanda All Peet. Right. All right. <laughs> Look, she wears a vest. I, it's, she wears a vest. Should be noted. She wears did anybody... a puffy, outdoorsy, sportsy vest. Oh. Wow. Like she's skiing. Did anybody catch the slap? Speaking of, anybody catch the slap? Missed the slap. Oh, boy. Good stuff. Oh, boy. Uh, I didn't watch it. Are you kidding? Oh, oh, I don't know. I I assumed you watched it. Were you hoping one of us watched it to give you a a review? Yes, I absolutely would. Maybe our guest tonight, Brad Callett. Uh, from CBS.com, writes about the Mets. Maybe he's watched the slap. You think? I, I'm I'm sure we'll get, after we get to all the Mets stuff, let's ask him. I think before we get to the Mets stuff, that's the only way to treat a new guest <laughs> on this sports program. <laughs> you don't lead with the sports. No. And that's, that's what, that's what they're expecting. Right. <laughs> they, they are looking for you to do that. You don't want to do that. That's what they'd have you believe. That's correct. The um, the uh, um, easy for you to say. Yeah, lost my lost my train of thought there for a second. <laughs> um, You're funny. No, I, I I was just I was gonna simply say that uh, we do have Brad uh, on the show, and we are gonna Hold talk on. about. Let, sac- me just, let me just. Take Amanda Pete off, and I think you'll be back. You'll go right back in the group. <laughs> she actually, she actually ruined my she, mouth. She's gone. Talented Mr. Ripley is now on that monitor, so you're okay. What does that mean? Talented Mr. Ripley? That that movie's dark. Really well done, though. My gosh, it's it's extraordinarily well done. Very very dark. Very dark. Good movie, though. I don't. I'm at a place where I can't really watch a lot of Philip Seymour Hoffman right now. By the way, it's been a year. It's it's been a while. I uh, I find it hard. Do you I see? It, yeah, I do. All right. I do. I find it kind of hard. It's been a year, so you might not. It might be something that that you will never get over. No, I think. I mean, I I I like. I I watch Boogie Nights. He's not. You know, he's not the lead in Boogie Nights. Like he has this this small fantastic part of Scotty, um, and I was okay there. But like the master was on again, and I kind of wanted to watch the master again, at some point, just so it can completely destroy my life again. And um, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It's too much. Yeah, well, I'm feeling that way with Robin Williams too. I can't watch Robin Williams. I I almost left Night at the Museum uh, in the movie theater with my kids. It was yeah. I can't do it. I can't do it. Haven't seen anything with him since he's passed, actually. No, no. What did he have? Like, well, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to watch Night at the Museum. But why um, not? I I just don't have kids that are ready for that or at that stage. <laughs> I'm not going to pop it in. And I'm a 40 year old man. <laughs> I just can't You're see. You're not going to watch movies that are complete mayhem with your <laughs> yeah. boys yet. You just can't see popping it in without Wesley being a part of the organization. 
you know, or part of that part of that, that process. Because like, then I'm just going to be sitting there watching Ben Stiller, like as, and I'm a 40 year old man, and well, that's that's going too far. Yeah, I can't have that. Um, I I find that hard. That's a new thing for me. I find it hard to sort of watch. When an actor passes away or something like that, I'm finding that hard. Maybe because I'm getting older. Never or used to bother especially me. Especially if, if the actor passes young. Yeah. 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 Never used to bother me before. Right. And now I can't. I can't kind of do it. I don't have that problem with music though. Like Elliot Smith, you know, uh, passed away. Well, it's ten years ago, but you know, he passed away. Maybe he was very young, and I can still listen to Elliot Smith. Like uh, that never stopped. I, in fact, I listened to him more. Right <laughs> when he passed away, I don't know. It's a little morbid. Let's uh, let's cheer this one up, Cal. What are your Cal. feelings on uh, what are your feelings on death, Stephen? <laughs> I'm gonna go answer the phone while you yes. guys talk about death and dying. Yeah, we're about to. Uh, I'm gonna read show. some. I'm gonna read some Sylvia Plath real quick, and then uh, we're gonna bring Brad Callett. Uh, and then we're gonna talk about the Mets from CBS.com, and then we're gonna talk about the Mets. Um, first day of pitchers and catchers today, buddy. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It, yeah, it was. Yeah, I saw a, a great little Matt Harvey interview on uh, MLB.com, mm-hmm. and I liked a lot of what I heard. This is going to be, and we're going to talk about this with Brad. This is going to be our problem. What's going to be our problem? Because we're we're a little tuned up in a lot of ways about this team. Uh either uh, on the side of anger at inaction uh, during the offseason or them not improving this team as much as they should have or at all. Um, but there are so many guys we like on the team. Mm-hmm. And that's and, and guy and personalities. and Like when Matt Harvey talks about expecting to play in October and expecting to win and wanting to win and, you know, the time is now and I'm okay. Like when I'm watching him say it, I'm okay. He can go out there and affect it, and I just I'm okay with that. When I hear certain other people talk about it, as if it's a foregone conclusion that the Mets are going to make the plus, I'm not so okay. I'm angry. I'm very angry. <laughs> right. It's infuriating. Should we bring Brad in? Should we get right to it with him? Yeah, let's bring him in. Yeah. All right. Uh, he writes for CBS. He is a first-time guest, and uh, so this is the law when we play this song. If you're first time on the show, back uh, of the notebook. That's <laughs> is Brad Callett from CBS.com, and uh, Brad, welcome to the show. I'm Sam Pete. Uh, this is Cal. Thank you so much for uh, taking a couple minutes to be with us. How are you tonight, man? Guys, what's up, Sam Pete? Cal, thank you for. Uh... Have me on. I'm very excited to be on with you guys. Thank you. Yeah, no, no problem. We uh, we've been reading. We're in a very interesting position, Brad. Cal um, and I've been doing this show for a very long time. Yeah, I know, I've been reading about it, and you guys have been doing this for what, like, uh, you've been doing this for three years? Five, actually, over five. Five years. years. Yes. You guys are veterans. I love it. We we are. We're grizzled. We we are definitely grizzled veterans. Um, <laughs> I, I have a goose gossage mustache right now. Like that's how grizzled we are. Well, it helps that we're old too. Yeah, it does help that we're old. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, is is it Sam Pete with grizzled with the goose gossip mustache or Cal? That's correct. No, no, it's Sam Pete. Yeah, Cal has a Raleigh Fingers mustache right now. That's right. <laughs> you guys, you got, you guys are badasses. 
it. So we we had a we had a problem coming into this season because we've had uh, Mets bloggers and um, we haven't really had too many beat guys, right, Cal, uh, for the Mets, but not as, nearly as many as we've had for the Jets. But um, right. we've had some Mets bloggers on and stuff like that. It's come to a point where we were coming into this uh, baseball season and we were reading a bunch of guys' stuff. And uh, and girls as well because Maggie Wigan uh, writes for Mets blog and stuff and does I think right. she does a solid job. Um, and we were trying to find somebody to bring on the show that that isn't is sort of a Pollyanna, you know, isn't sort of Pollyanna-ish about this team, but also um, is a good writer and stuff. So we were we were really happy to to find you, <laughs> you know. Okay. Um, so uh, Cal, let's. Let's jump right in, right? I, I had uh, uh, spoken with Brad a little bit about some of the things that we might want to talk about with, when it comes to the Mets uh, earlier today. And pitchers and catchers today, Brad, Yes. is there a general excitement that you – so you, you write about the team, but is there a general excitement as a fan you have that's you know inescapable for pitchers and catchers? Like does it, is there a little part that just gets you like it does me? And I think it does Cal, even he might not admit it right now, but the Mets. But isn't there just something like, oh, it's pitchers and catchers. This is good. No matter what is going on, this is good. Dude, I'm, I'm, it is no question. I'm psyched. I'm, it's, it is inescapable. I love it. It's my favorite time of the year. It's the beginning of spring. Best time of year. You know, baseball's around the corner. Um, and listen, I – I've been I've been pretty negative this off season because I've been disappointed this off season. Very disappointed. Yes! But <laughs> Sounds that, very familiar. That, that that doesn't change the fact that I still think they're a good team. I just I don't think they're a playoff team, which bothers me. But um, I put it down on paper. I think I mean not like I'm the first guy to say this, but I think they'll win between 83 and 85, and I think they're going in the right direction. But I just think uh, too many teams made too many big transactions, too many big signings trades and uh uh i don't think they are i don't think i, I mean, they certainly won't win the division and that's too good and i just don't i don't think they'll get uh i don't think they'll get one of the wild cards i think the models are better than and um it's frustrating i i can you know you can almost see a season playing out where they play well and they're in it and they're better again and the guys continue to develop and they just miss the playoffs again and obviously mlb unlike the other sports it's it's the toughest league to get into the playoffs. I mean, if this were the NBA or the NFL, they'd be a playoff team. You know what I mean? But right. it's just so tough to get in. In, in MLB, you got to win 88 games to get that second wild card pretty much. If you look at the last couple of years since uh, they put the second wild card in, I think the average is 88 wins. And um, I don't see them getting there. And, and, and that's what, what bothers me is I feel like they're wasting this unbelievable glut of pitching and it's driving me crazy because I I think I think the offense is good. I think it's solid. I mean I, I I'm I'm I don't get the fascination with Wilmer Flores. I'm not a Flores guy. He could be good. I could be wrong about that. But um I said from from Jump Street when this all season started, you get me a shortstop who can really hit and I know it was tough because options were very limited. You get me that guy, this is a playoff this is a wild card team, but without that Without that one more big bopper, obviously Kadir's not enough. Um, I think that'll fall short. That said, I think it'll be a fun season. I think it'll be over 500. So I mean, yes, I'm I'm psyched. I mean, I'm psyched every season, even um, even when they stink. So I mean, I'm always pumped for this. But uh, yeah. I 
I'm especially psyched now because I think they're the best offense they've had since maybe 2009, 2010, and uh, we all know about the pitching. And they actually have a good bullpen for the first time in God knows how long. I mean, they had a good one last year, but um, they have a good bullpen. I think it's a well-rounded team. They need to feast on the Phillies and Braves and beat them. And you guys know the Marlins, the Marlins give them fits when they're not good. And now the Marlins are good. So <laughs> that's maddening. And the Nats won 15 of 19 from the Mets last year. Obviously, the odds are against that happening again, no matter how good a team is um, or how bad a team is. But the Nats are just there. I mean, they're the Braves of the late 90s. They just they, they, they can't beat this team, and um, they got better. I mean, they lost LaRoche, which is huge because he was such a Mets killer, but um, they got better. So, I, I, uh, I, you know, I'm just um, I'm cautiously optimistic. But if, you're, if do I think they're a playoff team? No. Well, I think they'll be fun to watch, and I think uh, I think you guys would, would agree with that assessment. I, I'm curious, do you guys think that they're a playoff team? What do you guys think? Well, there's there's a ton there. <laughs> let's let's because uh, so many of the things you said, Brad, uh, Brian, and I have been saying for you know, no, it's it's great because so much of what you're saying here is exactly why we wanted to you know we could gauge from your writing that you were kind of in the same camp as us. Well, Cal- well and and yeah, well, one of the things that I, I noticed right away, Brad, is yeah. you you said the things that Steve and I have been saying all winter and haven't really seen anywhere else because it's been a very optimistic view of this team for 2015. You know, like we've like, it's like the plan, the Sandy Alderson plan was set into effect five years ago for right now. And everybody's just kind of like on board with this is the year because well, that the plan has taken us to here. And you, and you, you said all the right things that, that, that Steve and I have been saying. Um, But my question to you We've been talking about it. You mentioned it just now. You've written about it. There was a huge opportunity this offseason for them to really take a leap. They've got a good team, and they, have a, they had a chance to really become a very good team with not a lot of additions, and they chose not to take, take advantage of that opportunity. So my question right. to you, I want to get your, your opinion on this. Is it because they think their team is good enough or is it because they didn't have the resources to make their team better? I think there's no question in my mind, without obviously having, uh, without obviously having the books to know for sure. I think there's, I think in my mind, I've you know gone to my head and no, without question, I think, uh, I think they didn't have the resources, and they don't want to come out and say it, um, because I just, I mean, I'm not saying that Sandy would want to. Spending go crazy like um, what the Padres did and the Dodgers do and, and, and the Yankees historically have done. That's not Sandy's style. But um, if you look back at Sandy's past, he's built teams like this, but then he's complementing it with creation signings or and or trades, um, especially trades. I mean, that's the whole Billy B model. That's what that's what Billy B does, and right. Billy B learned from Sandy. So um, no, I think. Um, I think clearly, I think clearly, Sandy is handicapped by by the Wilpon not having enough money, and um, you know everyone says it, and well, I mean a lot of people don't say it, but I think I think most people believe it. Um, it's hard not to believe they obviously their payrolls in the lower half, um, and I think um, I, it's just it's too. 
uh, it's too obvious to me that Sandy's too smart of a baseball guy to know. Now listen, I mean, I think on one end, I think I, I would, I would, I would agree that he didn't trade no Syndergaard for Ian Desmond. Now I know part of that is they didn't want to sign him to a long-term extension. That could be resources. Even if they could sign him to a long-term extension, I'm not sure they would have done that because I do think that is part of his. Um, you know, I want to keep all this pitching and yeah. I want to keep this young core. And, and, and I so I that's right. That, whereas whereas Omar and I would have done that in a heartbeat, but um, do I <laughs> he would have uh, he would have thrown into Grom. <laughs> no question. I mean, dude, he would have he would have signed Kenneth Morales and he would have signed every yeah. schmuck out there. Yeah. But Omar, Omar think, would have been like, you, you guys want Plewicki too? We could throw him in. I mean, what, what do you guys right. want? You know, let's do this. Dude, let's have some fun. He was throwing everybody. He was throwing everybody out there, and you know what they? I mean, you know the Mets would have a bunch of uh, aging thirty-four-year-old former all-stars. But I think I think I think there is a method. That, I think Sandy does have the plan, but I certainly think he is um, hamstrung. And I think if he had more money, he would sign not five big time free agents like um, the Dodgers and the Angels, and, and, and a lot of you know the Padres are doing or trades. But I certainly think you would get one or two guys. I mean, there, yeah. there are some guys that's almost indefensible to me that he didn't that he didn't sign. But I don't right. blame him. I blame the Wilpons. What I do blame him for is that Billy Bean has no money, and he somehow still pulls off all these trades. So that's why it. is Sandy not able to do that? That's, that's it. See, so yeah, and 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 we did something really interesting last week, Brad, on the show, uh, where Cal right. and I were were looking. We we're actually talking about the Yankees. Um, a little bit, and we were just looking at the committed payrolls. So you can obviously go to baseballreference.com, or whatever, and check out the committed payrolls. Uh, you know, or what what teams have committed payroll wise for the next few years. And we right. were looking at the Yankees, and you know, the Yankees payroll is like two fourteen or something this year. And like next yeah. year, it's like one seventy two or something like that. Like for seven players, like they already have one hundred and seventy two million committed to the payroll for next year. And then the third right. year. Which would uh, 2017? They had like a, they still had 125 for like five players. You go to the Mets, and this speaks to the resource thing. And we we actually did this, and it was staggering. You know, the Mets in three years have 35 million dollars committed to payroll for two players. That's it. In 2000 in 2016, they only have 53 million dollars committed Wait, for three players. So they have two players for how much money? 2017, they have David Wright and John Neese. Right. Wow. <laughs> on the on the books, they have David Wright and John Neese totaling 35 million dollars, or not even. I think right. it's 30 million dollars. Right. That's right. that's it because they cannot commit payroll past that because they, they can't. can't because they don't know if they're going to own the team. They can't. They can't. And, and and maybe they do do know they still own the team, but maybe they just know. Listen, we're just we're gonna we're gonna pray to God that everyone stays healthy, and we're gonna hope that yeah. we can win what we have. But we uh, but but listen, we just we 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 can't spend the money. I mean, I, they know what right. They know that the operating budget is going to have to be at a certain number. The payroll budget's gonna have to be at a certain number. You know, Howard Megdahl does all the writing about what they owe with the bonds and what they owe the city and, yeah. you know, the, the, that's, that's the 400. over my head, man. I can't understand half that stuff. But I do Me neither. <laughs> yeah, because it was my understanding there would be no math. This is sports. Um, exactly. But, you know, but, but you know that those things are out there 
And you know they're they're going to hold on to the team in any way, shape, or form that they possibly can. And sure. so if they have to operate at $100 million total budget in three years, they'll find players to fit into that. What the, the bitch of that is, and Cal, you and I have talked about this a ton, what's, what's the bitch of that? Guess who's going to be a, you know, a free agent in you know, three years or go to oh, arbitration yeah. in two years? All, all, this, all this great young pitching. Yep. Right, 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 right. So your window is your window is tight, but I want to I want to get back to I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head um, when it comes to Sandy not having the resources. I'm I'm not so sure anymore. He's in this weird predicament, guys, where he has pieces to trade, and you he said it so like many pieces to trade. Yeah, yeah. he's. He's like, you know, Don Corleone with all the, you know, the judges and politicians in his pocket, like so much loose change. And he wants to keep them all. He wants to keep all of them. And so I, I don't, it would have been so easy. Cal, we, we say this all the time, right? Like, we've said this a ton over the last three months. It would have been so easy to make one or two big changes to this team and in, in, in the lineup and the expectations that are sky high would be legitimate right oh, now. Yeah. They're, they're ridiculous. <laughs> this is what drives me crazy though, is that what this, what drives me nuts is that you don't even, you don't even have to make these trades because if you spent 20 million more dollars, yeah, you could yeah. get, one more big player, and I think they're right in the wild card contention. So you can keep all your young pitching. I mean, they have spent – their payroll is so small that, I mean, yeah. $30 million more million, which would still put them – I don't know where it would put them, but it would put them certainly in, no, no, I don't know, top 12 or 15, still nowhere near the top. No, um, it would only put them at like 125, 30, 30 million dollars. So, right, right. Where they, they're about a little under 100, so wherever 130 yeah. puts them, right. Thirty million dollars, dude. Give me two more, two more players in addition to Kadir, even one. And yeah. you don't, you don't need. I, I mean, I wrote one of my columns way back when I said, um, if Sandy doesn't get a shortstop, this season, this off season was a failure, um, which obviously he won't. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not even saying trade Noah for too low because I get that risk. But Sandy, you don't have to do that. You can, right? If if he had money, he could have signed. I mean, Jed Lowry and those guys all suck. But, I mean, he, he could have signed – I mean, he can get creative, too. He can, I mean, I, I'm not saying I love Sandoval and Hanley, but, like, you could that's sign a big those word. guys and, and – and, and, That's and a big word, creative. creative. I said that's a big – I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's a big word, creative, with Sandy. You know, Cal right, says it. Right, right, that's one of right. your key ones, Cal, right? I, that's Well, and, and Brad talked about it before, like what San Diego's done in this offseason – the, being creative is part of what being a general manager is all about, especially now in the year 2015. And what it says right. to me, what it says to me is that maybe this, maybe today's game has sort of passed Sandy by a little bit. And maybe he's clinging to an old model where he's not keeping up with the rest of the league. A lot of these young general managers, these dynamic people, these kids coming in, you know, like Theo Epstein and, and, uh, and the guy on Texas, John Daniels, they're making all of right. these moves. They're being creative. They're, coming, they're thinking outside the box to try to help their team. Even Billy Bean, who's not young anymore. They think outside the right. box to try to help their team. So you, you hit on it perfectly. It's frustrating to see other teams 
get creative and improve their teams, and and we're just sitting back. Yeah. I'll tell you something. I honestly would have even liked. I mean, people rip me for this, but if you're not going to spend, I mean, I would even like to spend money on even. Lowry or Drew or whoever the other idiot shortstop was that was available. It's not that good. Um, not Cabrera, but there was a there was another one. Those guys aren't those guys aren't very good. There was there was a third uh, free agent shortstop. Lowry, um, Lowry, not um, um, Drew, and another guy. And um, I mean, I just I I I'd, I'd like I'd like to see a major I'd like to see a real major leaguer shortstop. I, I don't I mean I'm not a big I'm going to take some stock into the fan graphs, but I mean, to just say Flores is going to hit 250, which isn't that good anyway, and 50 home runs in the eight hole to me is just, I mean, where are you getting this from? I, I don't understand the fascination with him. He could be real good. I mean, he's shown some glimpses, but. Um, I'm somebody I'm somebody who admittedly likes Wilmer Flores a lot, but, uh, but that said, uh, only because I've been following him pretty closely since the Mets drafted him, and I think there is a potential for a plus stick there, but I agree with that. And, I would definitely and Cal, you, you, Cal, you said this beautifully a couple weeks ago. They've set him up for failure. There's no right. He's going to get booed out of the stadium. They've set him up for failure. He has no possible the 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 the. the the bar is so hot, and they've said it over and over again. He's our shortstop. I think we can get by with him. I think we can do it. I think we, you know, we're going to try to get a shortstop. We're going to try to get a shortstop. Ah, oh, we didn't get a shortstop. We're comfortable with Wilmer. If Wilmer's struggling early on, he's going to he's going to get booed. They're going to ruin this guy. Like this guy's going to get ruined. This poor kid. You know, and who's all of twenty one years old. The reason I would have signed one of those shortstop bums is maybe not even to start with. I mean, if he goes down. Ruben Tejada is your shortstop. Oh, game. please. Can't. Can't you discuss know? Ruben Tejada. <laughs> this is where I think Danny's in a tough spot, is that go around the diamonds. Every yeah. position is actually filled with good players. I mean, I don't want to throw no – go around. I don't want to throw no going anywhere. I don't, I don't want to do going anywhere. I don't want Murph going anywhere. You know, and maybe, you know, he's a defense player. He can hit right, just right. Um, I'm actually one of the granny supporters. I think he'll have a much better year. And then Kadir and Lagares, you're you're actually pretty set. So the only room for improvement is um, at shortstop. And I'm not saying you trade Noah for too low, but maybe you do. Maybe it's time to take that chance. And there's they so can't much take the money on though. They can't take the money oh, on. Oh no, right. And you know what? You're absolutely right. That comes back to the resources. But right. I mean, now 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 the question is, we'll never know because we'll never. You know, we're not inside the same you said. But the question is. Um, does Sandy not want to part with Noah, or does he not want to take on that uh, that salary? I think I think it's both, but I do think that if Sandy could take on that salary, I mean, I think he'd probably do it, and I think you have to do it because you have to give it a shot because this pitching, I, I mean, you know, like you said, the window, especially with pitchers getting Tommy John surgery like every other week, this this window is can close immediately. I mean, the Grom could could fall back or get Tommy John surgery. And, you know, look at last year. Last year was supposed to be a year we could get 10, but immediately it wasn't. As soon as Harry went down, I think it very well happened again this year. And then, like you said, they get arbitration. They get free agency. They're gone. So, I mean, I'm tired of this sustainable success for the next 10 years. I don't don't really like that. I don't really believe in it because I don't really trust it because things happen. I mean, I remember reading an article in 2006 
when the Mets were obviously amazing. And Billy Bean said with their network, with their young, with their network money coming in, with their core of David Wright and Jose Reyes and uh, and Beltran, and you know that was the core. But they obviously had other studs. And um, um, right, well, with with the with the network, the core, and um, you know they they were about to win the division. They were about to, you know, we we all know what happened there. Um, they were about to take over New York City and be good for the next ten years. Well, then Madoff happened, and. Uh, then guys got hurt, you know, and missed, and Delgado missed, or or missed a million games and fell off, and and you know, I mean, things happen. I I don't think you can count on this Spurs Patriots model. And frankly, as a uh, as a Mets fan, I mean, I'm not. This is where I'm not a general manager, but I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. I mean, I want to see good baseball now. I want to see a championship now. And if they got Syndergaard, I mean, if they got a guy like Kulowitzki. They can win next year, and as as presently constituted, barring a miracle, they're not going to win next year. I mean, it'll be a fun season, but they're just they're just not going to win. I wish they had added another piece, and that's why I, I can't be too optimistic about it. I wish I was more so. You know, see the thing that the thing that concerns me about this team is everything that you hear from every, everything you hear on the field. Obviously, we're we're good. This is our year. We we accept the playoffs as a goal, and that's great. Everything you hear above them from the front office, from management, is all about trying to improve the fan experience, right? So it's not about winning games from the front office or the business side of it. It's about we've added this super-duper high-def scoreboard (laughs) or we've increased our ticket sales by 19%. And these are the messages that you're getting from the top of the organization. And you're not getting a message that we're, do, we're going to do whatever it takes to win ball games, which will improve the fan experience if we're a winning team. It's all about, you know, all the T-shirts that are coming out. Free Shirt Friday, these are the T-shirts we're giving you. And it, right. that concerns me when I hear that from this team. And it feels like a it, – absolutely. And it feels like to me, guys, like a – when I read or see stuff like that, I start to feel like – or you start to remember how broke they are and how important <laughs> it is for, like, the Wilpons to have that stadium filled. Like, they don't – they have still not ever understood that if the team wins, people will go. If the team right. wins, there will be 45,000 people there every night regardless of right. the size of the scoreboard. You could have a wooden scoreboard with people <laughs> right. putting manual numbers up in the outfield. It won't hat, matter if they like win. A, like a guy with a straw hat and like yeah. suspenders and stuff. We could just on bring a that guy back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting on a bucket, drinking country time. And the, the, it wouldn't the, matter the, if they the, won. The thing about that is, like, I, I mean, I think this is what's so alarming. I think they do get that, but they are so goddamn broke that they just <laughs> can't afford to pay these guys, and it's cheaper to book the Foo Fighters than it is to sign, you know, to sign right. to take on that contract. So I, I think they did it. And I think, I think they want to win. I think personally, again, I don't know him, but I think they want to win as bad as anybody. Um, I think Fred I does. I don't think Jeff gives a crap. I really don't. <laughs> I really uh, don't. I, I agree. I think they want to win, but if they don't, it's not the worst thing. And if, and if the place is filled into September, they, I, I don't think Jeff cares. I really don't. I really don't. 
I think I think Fred does. I think you know Fred, you know, wants to win and wants to see them win. He's an old Brooklyn Dodgers fan, and he tried to turn us into the Brooklyn Dodgers. Great job. And I think he, but I don't think I don't think Jeff cares. You know what's the great what's the, what's the great line from Bush Leaguer, right? From <laughs> born on third, and he thinks he hit a triple. I mean, that's Jeff Wilpon. That's, that's you know that's a fantastic reference right there. He doesn't. Um, no, I just, I, I, just I doesn't care. I, uh, it's funny how the Wilpons, the EDC gets lost in the whole um, <laughs> stolen Woody Johnson still all the spotlight, you know. But right. The Wilpons, That's right. They'll, they'll they'll come out once Jesus starts. But I um for their stupidity. But I think um, but you know what's interesting, man? When Pete, when guys, when they say um, Wilpons don't want to spend money, blah blah blah. I mean, listen, when Mania was in charge, he was buying everybody. And the Wilpons yeah. will spend everything. So that shows me that they will spend the money. They just they can't. I mean, think, think about who they spent between 05 and 08. I think about it. And, and add names. Billy Wagner, Beltran, Delgado. They signed right, they signed right to an extension and raise. Pedro. Um, I'm sorry, who? Pedro Martinez. Or, oh, my God. Of course, he's the first one. Pedro. Yeah. yeah. Um. Um, they, I mean, they even signed. They signed Moses Alou. They signed Laduca. Uh, Laduca. Um, yeah. Lavin. They traded for us a bit earlier, but I mean, yeah, they, they traded they, for Sean they, Green. They gave. Right, right. They gave Johan Santana an eight-year extension. My God, I forgot about it. I mean, there's so many guys that I. I'll pop my head. But that's because they it. had it. That's because exactly. they had that's, And that, and that and that shows me that if they had it, they would spend it. I just don't think they. I just don't think they had sure. it. So that proves to me. That proves to me that they would spend the money if they had it. I think but it doesn't that's, the, matter. that's the core of the problem, though, Brad. That's the core of the problem. They don't have it. They're never going to get it back. They were involved no. in not not one, but two of the biggest Ponzi schemes in the history of mankind. They were stupid right. enough to get involved in two of them. Two of them. Not just Madoff. They were involved in another one. With Greenwich Capital. Like, they, like they're never going to... I, I don't even know about that. I didn't know they were yeah. involved in this. Yes, another one that they were involved in a clawback for another Ponzi scheme for another uh, uh, defrauding defrauding investors, and they had to pay back money to another clawback. Yes, that's how that's how wise of investors they are, and they're never getting this money back ever, never. And they can't run the team in a manner. And of course, this goes back to you know you wrote a, a really good piece about uh, Manfred and how asinine it is to to do away with shifts, which I totally agree with you. Um, and uh, and Manfred, you know, taking over, and uh, I think their finances are fine. Really, really, they're fine. You think the organization is being run in a financially responsible way in New York well, City? It blows me away. It <laughs> yeah, blows it's me. Just, and, and it, 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 I, what I, I gotta be honest with you because I mean I get everyone ripping Bud Selig for saying him and the Wolfpons are put together, and, and then you let them do what they blah blah blah. They can do what they want. Um, I have great respect for Bud Selig, and and I can't imagine that he's just saying to his buddies, "Yeah, go ahead and do it, even though you're broke." But you really can't, you really can't defend it. And then for Manfred to say too, I I respect for Manfred too. I have to think that that shift was a ridiculous idea, but um, I don't. I just feel like we're missing something here. Could it be? Could could it be that obvious that they're just like, you know, yeah, you you know, it's cool, guys. You know, do whatever you want. We're we're you know, you, you, you were tight with Sealy, and so that means you're tight with me. 
I'm not going to force yeah. you out. You do what you want to do. Could it be that simple? I mean, because I think it is. I respect these guys. Very I well think it is. Be. Very well, maybe, which is yeah. obviously, which is obviously maddening. It's very upsetting. Um, <laughs> but guys, listen. Let's, I mean, think about it. I, I'm not sure how this works, but uh, can you force can you force owners out if they're not if they're not spending money? I'm. I, I, that's a that's a touch situation too. You know. We've talked about it, Cal, right? The only way that they ever – and we don't even know – you don't even know if this works. The only way that you ever affect any change with a professional franchise – Is by uh, a billboard? Is by a billboard. That's correct. Okay. No, is, uh, is, by, <laughs> um, is by not showing up. I mean, that's it. You know, in the late 70s yeah, when, the, when the Mets were awful and, and – uh, was it uh, Payson uh, – did Payson still own the team, uh, Cal? Well, Payson died, and her her daughter-in-law right, her daughter-in-law was running a team, and M. Donald Grant, you know, was chairman of the board and stuff. And when there were seven thousand people in Shea on a nightly right. basis, um, that affected a change. You know, that's when they sold to Doubleday and and Wilpon. Um, in I think it was eighty or eighty-one, right? Nineteen eighty. Yeah. Um. So the only way you ever really affect a change in that situation is by not showing up. And Met fans. And I can't kill them for it. I go, not a lot, but I go a few times a year because I take my son because I like to go, and I live 15 minutes from there. And I'm I'm not going to let them ruin baseball for me. Well, and and I go, and I'm to I'm to blame. What Cal? You Cal? Cal just what? No, it's okay. Brad was saying something. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, and I'm going to get back to it. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm all for like not going to protest them, but. Like you said, I'm also not going to let them ruin baseball for me. I'm going to go to a game to enjoy. It. Right. I just want to throw that's right. In there too. I, mean, I couldn't agree more with you on that. On that. But please continue. But that, no, but that's that's that was the question I was going to ask, and and I I kind of know Steve's answer, but how do you reconcile that? Because I'm in a weird place with the, with the Mets. I mean, I've I've been a Met fan my whole life. I'm a diehard Met fan, diehard baseball fan. It's been like my life. And right. they have finally they've finally pushed me to the point where today was the first day of spring training, pitchers and catchers reporting. Look forward to this day every year and I wasn't excited this year. And I'm trying to figure out how to reconcile my disgust for what they've done with this team with the fact that it's still baseball and we all love baseball and the team is not that bad. So how do you reconcile that? You know, the more you say that actually. I'm kind of rethinking what I when I started that with. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited because baseball is back, and I love going home to it every night and having a game and watching a game and and um, you know it's like it's like you know an old friend coming back. It's like you're watching your brothers. You know it's it's I love yeah. having baseball back, and yep. I do think the team will be pretty good. But I'm angry, man, because I mean, guys, I we we went away to five or six years. Of of crap because these owners couldn't spend any money and add any players and it's like it's so many because this this could this could be a championship team and it, and it, it won't be and I the last few years instead I used to get upset but now <laughs> the last few years I've been angry and I'll right. get angry again I'll get angry again That's when, it. They have 83, when they have eighty three wins and I fall short I'm telling you I wasn't even that angry in 06 and 07. they just they had all the horses. They just got hurt, and but they they did everything they could to try to win. They're not doing that now, 
And it, right. And and I I kind of beating this dead horse, and I know you guys and everyone says it. You guys said it too, but um, when you're this close and you don't go to that finish line, um, um, you know it 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 goes from disappointment to anger. So I mean, the more I think about it, the more I'm thinking like I'm gonna be really angry on on April 10th when <laughs> Matt Harvey does a uh, four hit shutout. I'm sorry, a four hit you know one run game and. They lose one nothing because they didn't have to score. <laughs> right, exactly. You know? I mean, this so, is yeah, a good opportunity. Yeah. No, go ahead, I'm Brad. Angry. I'm sorry. I am angry. Absolutely, yeah. I'm angry. It's, it's it's a mix of loving baseball, loving the Mets, and also being, um, and of course, you know, in the end, obviously, it's just a game, and all, we all know that. But I'm just entertained. But at the same time, um, you know, we'd like to see a championship sometime, and. Um, Yes, I just feel like this regime. If they're not, if they're not going to add any players, I mean the Mets. This 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 plan. The difference between the Giants and the Royals and all of that. Now the Royals was kind of a freak thing. I don't think they'll be that good again. But the Giants. The thing with the Giants is that they complement it with additions. They have the guys like Sandoval and Posey who came up and were awesome. But I mean they also added like Hunter Pence and yep. um, they they yep. they added pieces. That's all the Mets need to do. And a guy like yep. Pence to fill it out, and they're not. They're, they did that. Kadires, I like Kadire, but it won't be enough. And um, but he's and he's another one that's being that's going to be set up to fail because if he comes out slow or he gets hurt, the fans are going to turn on him too, which is no, likely because no he hasn't played a full always... season in friggin' three years. I mean, yeah, you're, you're 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 and you brought up a great point too, Brad. That's something that Brian and I have talked about. A lot on this show because we're also Jet fans, um, but a, but a lot overall. Even talking to bloggers and beat guys and and um, for these particular fan bases, there's a key difference, guys, between anger and apathy, right? So at some point, some point you get apathetic and you don't care anymore. Like you didn't even right. care enough to get angry, and we've been at right. that spot. You know, Cal, you've been there with the Mets. You've absolutely been oh, there with the Mets, where like they've driven you to the point of like I don't even give a crap anymore, you know. In, in 2010, 11, and 12, um, after the first second half, I was I was apathetic too. Absolutely, I, no question about it. Yeah, so, and that's right. that's that's and and I, I will give Woody Johnson credit for very few things. <laughs> Not that he cares about me, but uh, one of the things I do give Woody credit for is he has always understood that apathy for a fan base is death. Like that's right. how he even that's how he treated the the Fire Itzik guys. Um and right. I know you wrote a, you wrote an article about them whatever. I'm not a fan of that at all. I hated that actually. Um but whatever. Oh, it is what if it I, is. If I, may, if, I interrupt, if I may interrupt are you um are you against the the Mets billboard? I I it's not even I I don't think there's any point? I don't. I, I don't see. I don't see the point. I, I, you know, I, I'm I, less. I, I'm less I, against the Mets billboard than I was against the Itzik billboard, um, and I wasn't necessarily even against it. I just didn't like how self-promotional it became for them. And right. also, this, you know, John Itzik did a terrible job, but John Itzik is a guy with a family and kids, and like. You know, to, to just drive uh, a general manager out of town in that fashion was not a great look for the fan base. To I me, agree. I you totally know, agree I think 
I think other fan bases were laughing at the Jets fan base, not laughing with them. They're like, look at what these oh, idiots are doing now. Yeah. So the the Wilpon one with Mets, like, you know, it's it's I I get that one way more. <laughs> you know, right. I'd be much more right. likely to send five dollars their way, right. but uh, you know, right. or that guy's right. way. But overall, Woody Johnson gets that. If my fan base becomes apathetic, if they don't give a crap anymore, that's death. That's the that's the worst. Absolutely. Even if they're putting up billboards, at least they care. <laughs> at least they're, they're that they're angry enough to do this. Yes. yes. And the Wilpons, Wilpons, to me again, you know, put it on the list of eight thousand things that they're completely friggin' tone deaf about. Tone deaf completely. They the the fans want a better team. Let's build a bigger scoreboard. Yeah, I, I think I think they're lost. I think they do care. I think that they don't know what to do because they can't spend any money. You they know, the team. I mean, if you really if you really love the Mets, that's what they should do. And if you listen to Bobby Arita when uh, he recently spoke after him and SNY that their deal right. fell apart, he said he said no one loves the Mets more than than Wilpon and um, and the two Wilpons and, and Saw Cats and. That may very well be true, but as much as you love the Mets, you know you're going to love your your money even more. So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, no, absolutely. I, I, let's turn it. Let's turn it to. The, go ahead. I'm sorry, Brad. No, no, no. I'm all finished. Please move on. I was just going to say, guys, let's turn it to the field a bit, if we can. Um, and just I one thing I definitely wanted to talk about was, um, and I've I've actually been seeing this in certain places. Like I've heard other people say it, and it's not. Yeah because they're listening to the podcast it's more because it's sort of out there in the in the consciousness uh but this we've been saying this a while that seven eighths of that lineup is a question mark so because for for either they've never done it before and or health right so the really only you can genuinely count on production wise if he's healthy is murphy Right. You know, Murphy's and the only guy in that lineup who you know what to get from him. You know, um, I think that's a huge problem. I really do. Like, I like Darno and I like Ligaris, and I like, you know, I Duda I'm okay with, you know. But where is it written in stone that Lucas Duda's going to hit 30 home runs again? You know, Ike Davis hit 30 home runs a couple years ago. Right. And then the next season he hit 165 and had to get sent down. You know, like, where's it written? Well, I think actually the next season he broke his foot, didn't he? And then the next season he had 165 and had Valley Fever and had to get sent out. Yeah, anyway. he got, he got that, that, that free collision, like, ruined his career. But yeah, no, right. But it, it's, it's not a given, right, that Lucas Dude is going to hit 30 home runs again. No, I, I just, I mean, yeah, there's too many question marks right. in that lineup. I think, I think the thing the lineup, I, you know, even though every position I'm, I'm excited about every. I'm excited about every player around the diamond, except not so much Flores. I mean, a little bit Flores. See what he can do. But I think I think they all are either good or have potential to be really good. But um, when you're relying so much on these young players, right? I mean, Lagar is he can hit 240 next year. Lucas Duda, like you said, could could be Ike Davis. Darno could have been a fluke. Um, right. Grand, Grandy Gadara could be could be uh, you know, Don. 
could be bust, could be, could be Jason Bayes, and it's like I, I mean I, I don't I don't think that'll happen, but but again, like you said, this is the gamble that you take when um, I know the game is changing with with free agents. I mean, guys sign long term extensions, the free agent pool, and and with steroids, frankly, guys aren't aren't as good as they get older. But um, so the free agent That's pool never was, but but when you sign free agents, you know you're pretty much you pretty much you pretty much you sign a quality free agent, you pretty much know for the most part what he's going to get. Look at Grandy; he didn't have a very good year, but I mean, he still hit home runs. I mean, he was disappointed, no question about it. But I mean, you know, he he knew he wasn't going to hit six home runs. Put it that way. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. No, he could he could definitely have a I I liked I think Cal you did too, right? The Granderson signing. I I didn't I didn't have a problem with it at all. No, I liked it at the time and and I just think he had a bad year last year. I don't yeah. think he's done. I don't think so either. You know, right. but you don't know, but we 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 don't know. But isn't but isn't that the problem with the way that this team operates? It's always built on best case scenario and of course. Let's if hope everything, let's checks out right. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, everything's an if. Let's talk about. I do want to talk about one spot though. That uh, and Cal, have you? Uh, now, obviously, we found out Bobby Parnell is probably not going to be available for the first two or three weeks. And of course, he was named closer immediately by Terry Collins. He couldn't. He couldn't name a closer fast enough. And we haven't even touched on the manager of this team, whose name I can't even say aloud um, without really getting upset. But um, that bullpen has that. That bullpen actually does have the potential to be very good. I saw some numbers, guys, from last year. Cal, did you see these? They were pretty good last year. They were good in the second half of the year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which right. sort of rounded rounded their numbers to better than, you know, league average. Right. Um, I think this... Guys, the bullpen is huge. In today's game, a bad bullpen... Is so ruinous to a team. What what year was it, Cal? When they blew like twenty seven games after was the it, seventh inning? Was it two thousand twelve? It was two thousand and twelve. Where they it was maybe Reyes's last year. Was it eleven? I don't know. There was there was a year there though, Brad, uh, where that bullpen so, blew so like. It was eleven or twelve, and it was also oh seven after Wagner went down. That's why. Oh collapsed. yeah, right. But a, a bad bullpen is so ruinous to a team. Because and, and when you know they're bad, it's it's the worst. Because you go and get a five run lead, you go and get a three run lead, you go to the sixth inning, and and now that bad bullpen gets trotted out in the seventh, and the players, the position players, start to get the here we go again, you know, and it becomes a it's it's so deflating. I think that was the year they blew twenty nine games after the seventh inning, and I think they lost twenty seven of them or something like that. Yes. And we had yeah. said, like, even if they, even if you go fourteen and thirteen in those games, right, 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 that's fourteen wins. Like they would have won like eighty-eight games, right? You know, right. eighty-nine games. Like the bullpen yeah. is in today's game is monstrous. Do you guys? I'll start with you, Cal. Do you guys like the construct of this bullpen? Does he finally have that, you know, sort of what he's always wanted—versatile, hard-throwing bullpen, with or without Parnell? So okay. yes, and with, are, with Parnell for the for the bulk, and we're going to assume that Parnell is closing, right? I don't think we need to assume that. I think if Mejia does the job early, 
Parnell may not necessarily come back and be the closer right away. Of course, this is Terry Collins. Well, I think I think that's a that's a key distinction here because okay, I think Mejia could handle an eighth inning role better than Parnell can. That's a good point. What do you think, Brad? I think, um, fortunately, I, you know, we guys we've seen it so many times. I think bullpens it's a crapshoot every year. I think. I think Parnell, Parnell, Parnell worries me a little bit. He worried me even before he had the surgery. Yeah. And now he has yeah. the surgery. Um, he, if you remember, was awesome, and then he was shaky. I think the best pitcher in their bullpen is Familia. He was yeah, best. yeah. Well, Cal, Cal loves yeah. Familia, right? He's your I favorite pitcher in that bullpen, right, Cal? I, I had always wanted him to be the closer. Actually, yeah. I would take that. But, but he, but he might be too good to make the closer. He might be more important in the seventh and eighth inning. Well, they, right, and that goes back to the old argument, right? Like, why do you, why do you make your best bullpen pitcher the closer? Aren't some of the most important outs in the sixth and seventh inning? Uh, I mean, you know, that is such an old baseball ideology that I, that is yep. so wrong, so right. You got yep. bases loaded, one out, seven. Bring your best pitcher. Couldn't bring agree your best more. pitcher in. That's right. Like, why, why is that not the spot where the game is on the line? I don't know why you know? these baseball, brilliant baseball minds have not realized that, and, and we have. But um, yeah, I uh, I think um, I know I no I do like the bullpen. You see how it shakes out. I don't love Josh Edgen. Um, Oof, get in line. I, I like I like Big Black. <laughs> I, I I um, the thing is the thing is I think I think Parnell I think Parnell Mejia and Familia could be really really good. I'll put it this way. I think you guys tell me if you guys agree. It wouldn't shock me. If, it wouldn't shock me if Parnell and Mejia just all of a sudden suck. You know what I mean? Like I think, no. I think they could be awesome, but it really, it really wouldn't. It's not like the starters where it would shock me if they weren't right. really, really, really good. And and listen, that's the nature of bullpens. They're they're not as good as starting pitchers, but um, I I think this is the best bullpen I've had in years. But um, I'm never I'm never sold on I'm never sold on bullpens. I, I mean, for instance, I'm sold on I'm much more sold on the Yankees bullpen with the Pontes and. And and Miller um, than I am with right. the Mets, but I, I think I think um, I think the Mets bullpen is is good, um, and you know Rafael Montero might be might be good in the bullpen form too. Um, yeah, it could be. Not, I think it's I think it's huge though. I think it with this young staff, with Harvey and Wheeler that. and Degrom, they and they're going to be in three two games. They're going to be in two one games. They're going to you know yes. be in all these type ball games because the offense is not where it's supposed to be. That bullpen to me on this team is you know if you want to say a key to the season. To me, they are a huge key to the season, especially early on with so many games against the NL East Massive. and yeah. that and and the Nats and everything that are going to be tight ball games. You can't. You, we can't have guys bringing fire, you know, bringing uh, gas cans to the mound. I mean, we can't have Doug Sisk out there. We just can't, just can't have it. I, I always, I always go back to Doug Sisk. Poor guy. He's probably fishing somewhere in Seattle, in like Tacoma, <laughs> in Washington, and he's sitting there. He's fishing. He had a nice career. He's got a World Series ring. Who the hell am I? And I always kill Doug Sisk. And he's getting ripped <laughs> on a podcast in high. That's right. That's right. He might be listening. He might. He could be. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. I mean, listen. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think they were pretty good last year, and I think they have good stuff. Um, I think it's a good bullpen, but uh, you know, it just comes down to they haven't done it long enough. And, uh, right. and Mejia, 
if you know, the second half of him, he wasn't that good. He scared me. He was, you know, when he started and they moved him to closer, I was so pumped because if you remember, he was great as a starter the first two times around, and then he would get shelled the third time around. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Then, then he started as a closer, and he was awesome. Shelled off toward the end. Familia got, he got, he got rookie of the year votes. And an eighth inning guy is never going to win the rookie of the year. And, um, and uh, Parnell, before he got hurt, you know, he had his, he had his control issues a little bit, but he was really good too. So I, I, I do think it's, I do think it's one of the better bullpens in the league. Um, I'm just, I think it could be. I think you know, it could I'm, be. Yeah. I'm just very, you know, I'm, you, you know how we all, you know how we all think the pitching is just fantastic, which I think you'd be crazy to dispute. The bullpen is good. Um, I'm suspicious. You know, I think it's also the nature of being a Mets fan. I think the bullpen has given us such a torture our entire lives that it is. I, it is. I don't think I'll ever have faith in a bullpen ever. You know. No. No, we could have Mariano there out there out of retirement, and I'd be like, "Well, he's gonna get lit up today." You know, totally. like you, you, you could add Mariano in his prime. He probably blows that game against the Yankees. Um, exactly. I'm looking exactly. at you, Armando Benitez. Oh, there's a guy. Uh, yeah. Cal, I, yes. If I see Armando Benitez on the street, I don't know what I do. He's a huge human being. I probably wouldn't do anything. He's a very big guy. He can kill all of us, but um, yeah, that's right. With his his bare hands, and Looper and and Franco and (laughs) Arod and Looper, awesome. He was uh, he was fun. Arod, yeah. I mean, it's it's been no. I was just gonna say it's been it's been a litany of you know even Valverde, Valverde, Wagner. You know, I mean, even Billy Wagner. You know, you you question Johnny Franco. We we had heart attack Johnny Franco for a hundred years. Johnny you know, Franco it, would give you such a heart. He would give you. I mean, he always put a runner on third and first and one out. Then our Dorians would have to make one of the greatest plays in baseball history to get him out. Of there, you know, <laughs> they might as well just put uh, the runners on first and third to start the inning. Like, let's just do this. Let's just start also, the inning this way. I think he was too low on every hitter he ever faced. Um, well, the, you know, but, you know uh, the strategy I, against John Franco was just don't swing. He's not going to throw a strike. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and he's like five foot six, and he's throwing like eighty two mile out of fastball. Somehow he's four hundred, whatever it is. But um, but uh, uh, I I think, and listen, K Rod, his first year was awesome. The Wagner was awesome for a yep. while too. I just yep. um, yep. You, you you guys get it. It's Mets fans. I will never have faith in the bullpen. I think they will blow every game every time. And that's yep. that's not you know that's not me being a logical baseball writer. That's me being an illogical baseball an illogical Mets fan. I just uh. I do think it's good, but I know that the first time Familia comes out in the eighth or or Vic Black comes in the seventh against the Nationals, I think they're gonna blow it. You know, <laughs> you guys know what I mean. I just, I, yeah, I know that's that your instinct. Out. I know. And if Adam that's Laroche it. was happening to come to the plate, then they were definitely blowing it. That's, that's a home run every time. The home run. Every right, and time. if it's Josh Edgen against the Phillies, it's he's gonna blow it <laughs> against the left. <laughs> Josh right. Edgen. <laughs> Although, then again, the, the only time I was ever confident in a reliever, outside of, like, Wagner and K-Rod, those, 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 their first years, was when Pedro Feliciano faced Ryan Howard. I think you struck him out, like, 57 times in a row. Yeah. That was one that you knew you were going to win. And, and of course, in 06, when they had Dwyer Sanchez, they had that great, you know, that great back of the bullpen. And then, of course, him getting hurt was the... That's right. The beginning of the end. That right that... Damn cab ride in Miami to go get food. 
Yeah, because he would have been pitching in that game instead of Aaron Heilman. He would have been pitching in that eighth inning and uh, to uh, Molina instead of one of my least favorite Mets of all time, Aaron Heilman. I I still can't say his name. I can't say his full name. He's don't like don't forget how good don't forget how good Chad Bradford was too. Yeah, he was great that year. He was fantastic he was that year. year. Yeah, and, great and that year. Aaron Heilman, I hate his face. Like I see his face sometimes. Like a throw in the, one of the Mets classics or whatever on SMY, and I have to change the channel. I can't even look at his face. Can't even look at his face. I, I hate brother, his face so much. My brother knew a guy who uh, was his roommate at Notre Dame, at and Notre you know Dame. you think you'd be like you think you'd be like the man, and he was just apparently a big dork and never went out and just read like <laughs> chemistry books all day. Um, you didn't read books on how to pitch. Yeah, no, he certainly didn't read books on how to get right-handed hitters out or to utilize I know, his. I'm, Six foot eight frame, whatever he was. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, you know what? I do stand correct because the 06 bullpen was very good, but that was the only time ever. And of course, um, the, so, the best part of it got in a car accident. <laughs> like, of course, of course, we don't trust the bullpen. Remember, but what, what, did, what did Sanchez have? Twenty-two scoreless innings, or so? I mean, I, I don't think oh that's right God. number, but it's right around there. Oh, it's about that. That's how he started the season, like yeah. that. Yeah, he was yeah, untouchable. I mean, Untouchable. It was like June before he gave up a run. Yep. And right. he was pitching in those big spots, like we just talked about. Like he would bring him in, and right. the Willie would bring him in in the seventh inning with the bases loaded and one out to get out of a. Not I'm not <laughs> quoting Willie Randolph as some sort of baseball genius. We all know that's <laughs> not accurate. But he would no. use him that way early on until he became the eighth inning guy. Um, and I think I think guys, I think you're spot on. I think Familia could be that guy. Like, I'm very comfortable awesome. using Familia in the seventh inning in the what is the biggest spot of the game. No question. Do you guys feel the same way? My heart is beating uh, the slowest when Familia is on the mound. I have much more yeah. faith in him than anybody else. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things we want to do, Brad, since it's your first time on the show, too, is um, – Thank you so much for giving us uh, the time and and, and uh, I'm loving this man. I'm going to say something you guys want to Um but one of the one of the things that Cal and I are always curious about cuz um like I told you Cal and I have a long 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 history of being friends and also the Mets and Islanders and all our fanhood and stuff. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. How how long have you guys been friends for? 32 years. Yeah, oh, 33. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we we met when we were, I think, eight or nine, probably, playing Little yeah. League. And then we went through junior high and high school together and then college and weddings and kids. and yeah, It's been a long haul. Blown saves. <laughs> Blown saves. Right. I was at Game 7 in 2006. Cal had to talk me off the ledge the next day. Um, oh, and then, wait, wait, wait. And then you guys were how old in 1986? 12. We were 12. We were both 12. And do you remember, like, there's, yeah, I mean, it must have been unbelievable. Yo, was, we we yeah totally. Cal, I mean, we were in junior high together, so we, you know, I couldn't even speak. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I I watched I watched every game of the '86 season. I believe you did too, Cal. Like if they had a day game, I would skip school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, well um, they would. And in the playoffs, what they would do is they would they would give you the score of the game over the loudspeaker in the junior high. In our junior high, if it was a day game in the playoffs. That's so cool. Yeah, which Wait, was awesome. Guys, you, you guys, you guys went. You guys grew up where? Uh, in Comac on Long Island. Okay, and and yeah. um, 
then. Where, where do you live now? Steve, do you live in, you live in Queens, right? Yep, I live in Bayside now. Cal still lives in in Comac. Still oh, lives Comac. in the uh, the old home the old back. hometown. Yep. He's uh, he's a Bruce he's a Bruce Springsteen song. He really is at this point. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. And the Wait. only and Pete Pete Harnish was a couple of years ahead of us. He graduated from Comac. Yes, Pete Harnish went to Comac High no School. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know Harnish yep. was, was I didn't even know Harnish was a local guy. Yeah. Yeah. Was a, he was a bit, that's why it was so huge when he came home to pitch for the Mets cuz he went to right. uh, Comac and then he went to Fordham. Right. And then he pitched in the College World Series. Fordham happened to go to the College World Series that year. Had a really good team. And uh Pete was a tremendous high school pitcher who played against Craig Biggio. Right. Because Craig Biggio right. went to right. high school in Kings Park. Kings Park. Right, right. My 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 mom's cousin um there was a teacher in Kings Park. That's fine. Is that right? That was uh, our arch our arch rival. So I immediately dislike her. I'm sure she's a lovely woman. But um they beat us <laughs> twice in baseball. In the playoffs, they ruined uh, my high school baseball career. So wait, wait. Um, you guys were you guys were in high school at the same time. Harnish was there, and Biggio was there at the same time, right? No, they were they were older than us. They were they were you know. I but think, by, but by, you know, so you got you guys. I know I know they were older, but you, you weren't even in high school at the same time. They were. They were no, there. no, no. They were, they were about they were six or seven years older, I think. About six or seven years. Okay, older. right. She, she always my mom's cousin. My mom's seventy, or whatever. But she always told me. Uh, Fisher was a was a better football player. Apparently, he was. I mean, he was. Yeah, I he absolutely was. Yeah. He had a ride. He had a ride to Seton Hall. He played football at Seton Hall, and he was a tremendous running back. Tremendous, very very good football player. Um, right. Right. Just a great athlete. But they faced each other in high school, which was kind of cool that they both wound up on the Astros as teammates. Um, you know, after all those years, because they played each other. They were you know in uh, in high school and stuff. So they had a pretty long history. But um, how did you how did you start writing about the Mets? Like, how did that happen? Right. So I um, what I did was I uh, I went I went to Syracuse and um, I mean I was I was always a sportsman, but baseball is always my my sport. And um, I interned for um, um, I worked for um, tennis magazine. I interned interned over there and I covered tennis for a while. I always liked tennis, but um. I was never really a – I wasn't a huge tennis guy. I mean, I played a little bit in high school, and I played as right. a kid. But um, I uh, I got an internship there, started writing over there, and then um, I got hired by MLB.com, and I worked there for a year. So I was right. writing a little bit for them, um, but I was more of a of a web producer and running the websites at MLB.com. Um, and then I got hired. I was only there for a year. I got hired by CBS. I've been there for – CBS New York, been there for – and the fan, kind of one of the same – been there for three years now, and um, I'd been a published writer. I'd written freelance for other publications while I was doing this stuff. A lot, mostly tennis, only a few baseball articles. But um, right, you know, baseball. I was, I was always, was always, you know, I was always most knowledgeable about that. And um, what's cool is that for the fan site, I write about, I write news stories every day for all sports. But um, oh, okay. as one of the editors, as one of the editors, I kind of have carte blanche to write about whatever I want. So um, it's cool. I mean. Um, the um, SB writer is Ed Coleman, who is yes. like uh, he's the coolest dude ever. But what, Eddie, Eddie C. Because EC can do whatever he wants, so he pretty much right. just writes like <laughs> he just writes a few. He writes a column when he feels like it, which is fine. It's, he can do what he wants, and um, you know he's really. I mean, he, he really just. I mean, he does an amazing job. Um, yep. You know, doing interviews on, on with with 
with all the you know on all the shows and and you know getting all the cuts and the pre post game and all that stuff. But yep. um, Eddie, uh, Eddie, you know Eddie's old school. He doesn't write that often, and um, so it's pretty cool. We we don't have too many Mets writers, so um, it's great. I uh, I have this avenue to write columns, and uh, and mostly um, so mostly I write the columns on my own time because it's actually not even part of my my job. My job is really as a producer for the site, right? Um, Seven and to write and edit uh, the news stories, but um, yeah, on the weekends I just started uh, writing Mets columns and uh, and then it took off from there. And and I, I my, the first stories I ever wrote was uh, covering Syracuse Chiefs back in, in college, and uh-huh. I started out writing started out writing baseball, went to tennis, and um, and came back to baseball. And, and as you guys saw with the Knicks for sale, I dabble in other sports with my columns, yep. but uh, you know it always comes back to the Mets because that's you know I know that. Now, uh, how did that now? How did that start? Like, what's your first Met memory? How did you How did you start down the Met path? Yeah, well, I was. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm relatively young. I was actually I was born in I was born in '88. Um, so my uh, I have a brother who's uh, who's 30, uh, 30, um, 33. Oh man! So, <laughs> right. So he was. I mean, but he is. Six and a half, seven years old than me, so there's a big age gap. Yeah, there. He, uh, yeah, yeah. He was born in the early '80s. Right? My dad's a Fairweather. He grew up a Giants fan because of Willie. And then right. uh, my brother was born in the early '80s when I guess when the Yankees won the World Series in '81. But when my brother was growing up, '85, '86, my dad was a Mets fan. He was rooting for the Mets because they're winning all the time. My brother was a Mets fan. I became a Mets fan. And uh, I remember my first game was a, a Brett Saberhagen start in '92, <laughs> and then um, nice. dude, I just I love that team so much. I love I love the Butch Husky Bernard Guilty home years so much. Seven eight years uh, old. 96. I mean, you know, I was, I was I was I was I was a kid, and I I love I love I love. I remember I remember going down to my dad's office when Alex Ochoa hit for the cycle. I was so psyched. I thought he was the next really <laughs> made. Um, Number twenty two in your program, Alex Ochoa. I, I grew up with the 99-2000 teams. I love those teams. Right. Um, and, you know, I will say this, though. I will say this. I am a part of the new media. You know, I'm a blogger. I'm a, a producer. And I'm on Twitter all day with my job. And, and, and I love these podcasts. I love the websites and everything. But I miss I miss the old days of, and I'm part of it, but I miss the old days of less media coverage. I really do. And even though I love it and I love being part of these shows and I love writing yep. comms and all that, it, wasn't there something romantic about um, all you had was the radio show and yep. the sports section and the game? And, like, yep. a little later down the line, I'd come back from middle school during the off season. There was no Twitter. There's no, you know, Mets blog. There's no, you know, ESPN is a show. It's former self. You go to the ESPN bottom line, wait for it to get to MLB. Yep. Yeah, for the crawl, and right. Hope to see, and for the crawl and hope to see that, Met sign whoever. To, I mean, I remember finding out news that way, and it was so much more exciting. And you know, part yep. of you're a kid and all that, but um, I, I no, there's a, there's there's an oversaturation. There is. I mean, we when we started totally. doing this, when we started doing this show five years ago, uh, in December of '09, our intention was really more to um, do it like an FAN type show. Right. Because we grew up listening to WFAN and being huge fans of WFAN, and you know, try it. to try to take calls, and like podcasts hadn't really sort of taken a hold yet. You know, like I I started listening to Mark Marin and WTF in 2009, like at right. episode like 
too. And I was like, what is this podcast thing? You know, like I really had no idea what it was, and I know you know uh, you know Corolla had started the year before and stuff like that, but and Simmons started right around that time, but um, right. but uh, but our idea was to to do exactly that, like just to talk about the Mets, <laughs> you know, or talk about our teams, uh, and there was nowhere to do it, you know, like Mets blog was in its infancy and stuff like that, like you right. had a couple of blogs for teams. But it, right. and no, there was no Twitter, there was no Facebook, or Facebook was around, but it was it was pretty new. And what would we do? We would sit on the phone for two hours, yep, talking about the Mets, and then we decided, well, why don't we just do it on a podcast? Yeah, it was like, had, like phone bill, the Costanza moment where we were like, and there's your show, and that's all it was. I mean, that's all, all what we do right. right now is what we used to just do on the phone. Right. Each other. We used to just do it on the phone. Right. So I, you know, I agree with you in in the sense that, and, and I think about two years ago, Cal and I started or stopped trying to kind of sell this show, and like right. we have, you know, we have a bunch of people that listen and we promote it here or there or whatever. But it it stopped being about that because there's such an oversaturation, and right. it it became just more about getting to talk to each other about sports. <laughs> And also be, you know, guys like you, people in the new media, or even beat writers, you know, when we have them on. Right. And just, you know, so I, I totally agree with you. There was there was a, um, I don't think it's rom- uh, romanticism to say it was a lot cooler when you didn't have, t- you know, Twitter from the NFL Combine. Like, it was just, oh. it was just, yeah. And, and, and we can't, both of us, I don't know how you feel about uh, FAN. I, I, obviously, you have different feelings because you work there. Um, or work with them and around them. You know, there's certain right. FAN FAN shows I can't listen to anymore. I can't because mm-hmm. of the call because of the callers. You know, because of what's gone on and and certain certain hosts. But what's gone on with the callers? It's changed. It's changed. You know, interesting. First of all, I love how you said that. Stands a moment. You know, he says, you know, I, <laughs> you re- he realizes, you know, I I think we may have something. Everybody and there's something. there's your show. <laughs> yeah, everyone's doing something. We'll do nothing. Um, but uh, yeah, no. I uh, interesting. I, you know, I'm actually curious because I've listened to them my whole life too. But you know, you guys have listened longer because you're older than I am. I, yeah. have, have you seen Have you seen a difference in callers? Curious. Yeah, I I, I think so. And I think Good? it's interesting. Yeah, and I think and I think it's related to social media. I think that. In the, in the five years or six years that the Twitter's been around and social media and and people have more outlets, I think the callers, and I can't put my finger on it really. I don't know. Maybe you can better communicate it, Steve. But the callers definitely, maybe a little more confrontational. Yeah. Than in the past. Yeah. They I think are, also. They are confrontational. Yeah, and 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 I think it's happened with the hosts as well. So I think what happened was. WFAN was always this great, to us, uh, anyway, and to conversation between the host and the caller. Right. It's now it's not a conversation anymore. The hosts, most of the hosts, are like built in a factory now. Like we say this all the time. Like certain hosts were like assembled, like like made of parts of like part Mike Francesa and part Joe Beningo and part like. They're, they're, Russo. Yeah, part Chris Russo, right. So they're, right. the hosts are more confrontational. The hosts, to me, are more um, 
I don't want to use the for the phrase know-it-alls, but the hosts are way less in way less interested in having a conversation with the caller, and so therefore the caller gets confrontational in his own right. So the caller calls up and is just like, "This is my take. It's right." And you know, and and the host comes back with, "If you think that you're right, you're nuts." Yeah, and all of a sudden, you know, it's not a conversation anymore. That's a really interesting point you make, and I think you're right. And I think it's because, um, I see your point, I think it's Twitter. I think people yeah. know more information than they've ever known before, and yeah. um, they think they know more than they ever know. And, um, you know, I, I actually run the WFN Twitter account with, with two other guys on my team, and so I see all the hateful tweets all day long directed at us and dire- directed at athletes and, and directed at writers and everything. And yeah. um, people are angrier, and people yes. are... People are angrier, and and when when you, when you talk about the host, and obviously I'm not going to comment on that, but when you talk about the host, um, it's a good idea. In, in, yeah, right. In all media, um, I think it's just because there's six million of them on forty thousand cable networks yeah. and websites. I yes. think everyone's trying to um, have their own identity, a- and I think absolutely. And, I think, and it's so it's it's uh, trying so hard to um, to to. You know, to stand out, to stand out and have right, a strong take. And, and, my opinions are this, and and it's and you're right. It's on every network. I should I should, I'm I'm sort of categorizing WFAN hosts, but it's it's on Sirius. It's oh, on MLB.com. It's 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 on ESPN Radio. It's everywhere. It's actually less on WFAN than on those other places. Yeah, it it actually is. It actually is less because you have a guy like Francesa who is what he is, and he's not. He was never a conversation with Mike Francesa. You're never going to get the last word. He's been right for 25 years. Like, no, nothing, you know, exactly. nothing's changed there. Right. Mike Francesa has been Mike Francesa since 1987. Yeah. And it, it's only because, and you're right, not only stand out, but I think that you're subconsciously influenced by all these 15,000 personalities, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's I'm, a great call. So, One of the so things that we tried to do yeah. was, was not do that. Was just just we we go there sometimes and we go a little oh the painish uh, when we don't right. mean to or whatever. But uh, you know it's yeah. it's sports. It's sports. It's not religion or politics. It's sports. It's supposed to be a distraction from real life. And I see it as 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 you know doing the fan social media every day of my life or five days a week. The amount of hate. Yeah, yep. that we get um, from these from these sports fans, and and obviously it's not um it's not just a fan, it's everything. But um you know yeah. seeing it firsthand, you guys see it. Um yep. you know you go to any you go to any ESPN comment section, it's um oh, people are man. people it's are angrier than they ever have. Before. Yeah, it is. It is. And um um, but it's funny. I still want to clarify the fact that. I still couldn't live with that Twitter. I mean, I, all this stuff and, and, and shows like you guys right. have, have. Right, right, right. I love it. I love yeah. it. I no, mean, it, it, there's great aspects to it. There really are. There's 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 things aspects. about there's things yeah. about Twitter that I love. There's things right. about, you know, there, there there are. There are certain things about it that I like quite a bit, you know, not the least. I remember the night that they killed Osama bin Laden, right? And I had a very young child at the time, so I happened to be up at, you know, three o'clock in the morning or whatever, and I just put him back to sleep or something. And I went and, uh, you know, checked my Twitter feed 
or whatever. I was like going to the bathroom and I saw that they got Osama bin Laden like on Twitter, like at three o'clock in the morning. Like it was immediate. It was instantaneous. I never would have gotten that information. It was like this moment of pride yeah. that, you know, whatever. Like, and I, I found out by watching the Mets Phillies game. That's right. I was just going to say, it was a Mets Phillies Sunday night game and some random catcher got five hits. Who was it? Rod Barajas? It, it might have been Rod Barajas. Hot Rod Barajas. But Remember the, the the crowd in Philadelphia just started cheering all of a sudden? Just started cheering, yeah, you're right. Awesome. And I think the Mets won like twelve or thirteen, something like that. Yeah. And it I did. was and I was uh, asleep because I had a very young child who was who, who who I knew was going to be keeping me up uh, for most of the you, evening. You, you guys, you guys both, you guys both have children. Yeah. Yeah, Cal's uh, Cal's uh, got two girls that are a little older uh, than uh, than my kids. I got started a little later on it. I have two boys that are uh, that are younger. But yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's a it's a pretty wonderful thing. You're a young guy, you know, and and maybe someday you'll figure or see this or whatever. But to watch yeah. uh, sports, to watch sports with them is pretty interesting. It's pretty it's pretty I'm cool. Like my, I have two little nephews, and, and they're 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 really young, but I'm. I'm starting yeah. to see it, and it's uh, it's fun. I mean, I I it is I, cool. I, I envy you guys. That's 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 awesome. I love oh, that. Oh, you got you, dude. You got plenty of time. <laughs> you can trust yeah, us. No. <laughs> but that would be Cal's advice. Cal's been married far longer than I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Take your time. Yeah. I mean, I'm not in, in, in any rush, but it's like something when you're in your mid to late twenties. There's supposed to be this like pressure when you start to see like all these people getting engaged. It's like, oh man. Sure. Sure. We were there. Cal, you got married. How old were you when you got married, Cal? Twenty six. That's twenty five. Twenty five. You were. I was, you know, I was one of the first ones, though. You were. You were one of the first ones to fall. It was a hell of a wedding. Not in history. I mean, just our group. <laughs> right. Just just out of our friends. Right. Right. Not in the history of mankind. How old were you? How old were you? I was. I was thirty. I was thirty five when I got married. Alright, so you got married later. So I waited. Yeah, I waited. I I waited a really had a really good time, really good time. <laughs> there, there's, there's, uh, there are there are whole swaths of years that I don't remember. So don't even worry about that pressure. You know, you're making me feel better. So thank you. But it's funny. Yeah. I, I, not, that I'm, not that I want to do this tomorrow, but it's funny, man. Like, um, and just a study show too. I, we're talking about marriage instead of baseball, but. You see that you see that um that the average is going up. I mean I mean I, I'm sure you guys you guys see it. Guys, guys would get married at like 33, 34 all the time yep. now. Like, yep. That's way more the norm, uh, especially in the Northeast, especially in in um you know I I think I would say in the yeah. Midwest probably skewers younger, but um right. But yeah, there's the, like I said I I I really enjoyed my time. Um, I had a serious girlfriend before my wife for a good portion of that so it wasn't like i was running around you know uh, uh <laughs> what messing around yeah, right, I got you. right yeah it wasn't like i was i was uh i was all over town at all uh but but uh it i think it has changed quite a bit and i think it's it's because people are living longer and obviously you know we just uh, cal and i both just turned 40 last year and, um, you know, 40, you know, 20 years ago was like, man, what's up, dude? What's up, old man? How's the, how's the fake hip? <laughs> you know, and it's, it's totally, it's totally and completely, totally and completely different. It, it really is, you know, um, but, I mean, have you seen that picture of Vince McMahon on men's health? 69. Yes, I know. 
Paul McCartney during SNL the other night. He's 72 years old. 72. Still amazing hair, you know? <laughs> he has fantastic <laughs> hair. Incredible hair. Paul, Paul, Paul Simon does not. Paul no, Simon he looks he looks like Gollum. That's not a great look for Paul Simon. He looks great. He's awfully well. He's I if I had that kind of money I would I feel like the money helps. And the money does help. It <laughs> would have to, I think. Yeah, it would. You think Jerry's got work done? He's done work done? I don't think so. I, I don't, he doesn't seem like the, the the type to me, but there's just a stress release factor when you have that much money. That Not like he probably has he, he has a personal trainer and a nutritionist. Yeah, and like you you know what has he got to worry about? The Mets shortstop. Yeah. That's his biggest worry right now. And and Literally. Nelson Figueroa. And Nelson Figueroa, right? <laughs> Trying right, to get... right. I... I've been writing about that the last three days, man. I, I it's been hilarious. He he tweets hashtag over Ojeda. That's <laughs> <laughs> so great. I love it. I, I uh, thank you know what? Thank goodness he's a Mets fan. Really, it's the guys like him and Stewart. Like just having a couple guys. I mean, yeah. that are, that are, and those are those and those are my opinion. It's not like you agree with me. Are two of the greatest guys. Like ever, so yeah, so right. Exactly. Like you got you got two of the most talented, most influential comedians in our time. Right. Happen right. to just be Met fans. It's just so thank goodness, really thank. And right. Bill Morrow is right. a piece right. of the team. Like thank goodness, these are Did good things. You, you were you were Bill Morrow said a few weeks ago when he said, uh, "Listen, I don't care what's legal with this American Cuban relations, as long as it brings us a, a shortstop." <laughs> I didn't. I didn't see that. That's great. Great that's line. Awesome. Great line. Yeah, listen. We, you know, it's funny. The comedians all love Chris Rock. Comedians all love the Mets. Chris Rock. That's right. That's right. Chris Rock is a Mets fan too. I totally forgot. Brian or uh, Kevin James. Right. Kevin James. It's because the Mets are more fun, and they always have been. That's why. Don't you think? It is. It is absolutely. Yeah, they. There's a lot of them. They're not buttoned up. They're they're maniacal. They're you know they're schizophrenic. And so are most stand-up comedians. <laughs> they have emo- they have emotional problems. They're ridiculous people sometimes. And so are most comedians. Jerry just Jerry more than anybody loves the Mets. He does. I want him. I want him so desperately to buy the team, and he could probably buy the team with like not even touch the 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 Seinfeld money. Like he could probably buy the team so easily. That guy's a gazillionaire. He he could do it. I mean, he he could like Eric Jeter owning a baseball team. I, I mean, Jerry Seinfeld is so rich. I mean, he's not a billionaire, yep. obviously, but he could he could he get a few partners. He could do it without question. If Jerry Seinfeld bought the Mets, I would probably put that as a top five day in my life. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put my wedding, the days my two children were born. Uh, and then and then I'm gonna put Jerry Seinfeld right there, right. and then probably okay. the the night they won the '86 World Series that would be five. So you go. There you go. That's pretty good. Day. I have, obviously hadn't have one with the Jets. Brad, we're gonna we're gonna run and uh, and uh, finish up the show with uh, with uh, our our old buddy PJ. But want to thank you so much for taking the time and um you know please please what do you got to plug? So where can people find your stuff? 
Yeah, so um, it's actually, uh, um, correct you a little bit, it's a uh, honest mistake, but uh, it's not CBS.com, it's uh, CBSNewYork.com. Right, right, my bad, and, uh, got it. No problem, and it's, um, it's w- so if you go to w- if you go to w- CBSNewYork.com and you click on sports, it, it goes to WFN.com, and um, if, you, uh, if you go to WFN.com, it, it redirects you to the sports page. So WFN is under the umbrella of CBS New York. Yeah, you can find all my stuff there, and um, um, yeah, and you know you can follow me at uh, at Brad um, underscore at Brad underscore uh, Callet K A L L E T, and um, and all my columns I got a link to all my columns right there, so you can check it all out. All what my, uh, um, what columns stuff. you got coming out? Uh, what what do you got coming out soon? Anything uh, specific you can tease? I'm thinking, I'm thinking about it. I did the um, I did the one about how the Mets. It's kind of a depressing one about how the Mets aren't a uh, playoff team right now, which I hated to write. And then I recently wrote the one about the Knicks. Um, right. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little break right now and see how uh, how spring training unfolds, and I'm sure we'll get a um, we'll get a storyline coming from there. So I'm not exactly decided yet, but uh, oh, listen, I'm looking forward to the season. Um, if they can just make the playoffs, we will all be so happy. Can it just oh, uh, it would just be it would be so good. And I don't have to write these negative things, and you guys don't have to talk about negativity. But I gotta say, this is a, we've had a pretty positive conversation tonight. The most I think so. Hey, look, it, so there's bad. there's one thing we're always gonna be negative about, and that's the owners. That's it. Okay. That's there's no way around that. There's no way if you're a sentient no Met fan, <laughs> there's no way to not be negative about them. There's no way. Before we wrap up, though, I want your opinion on this whole thing. I think the people, though, listen, maybe it was a bad investment that they made, horrible investments, but I think the people who think that the Wolfpons were in on it with Madoff, and I've read, a lot, I've read a lot about this, are delusional. Am I wrong? <sighs> delusional? I'll go I, I, I'll go first. I'll go first. I, 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 yeah, of course you will. Delusional is, no, no, it's... Take the time, then, then we'll save it. No, 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 it's... it's no, it's a good question. It, it's a, it's a great question, and it's one we've talked about a couple times here or there. Um, of course, we've never actually had a Mets blogger on who is in a position to talk about it, <clears throat> um, or would talk about it for for biting the hand that feeds. But um, uh, I I think delusional is strong. I don't think. What's the uh, what's Roger Goodell's line, right? Ignorance is not an excuse. Right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Willful ignorance. Willful ignorance is where I would put them. I don't know. I've read a lot about this, and I've actually read a lot of the transcripts from the clawback, um, and and the court case with Picard, and I think willful ignorance is the best way to put it, because I can, I can, I can agree with that. I can yeah, agree with that. The, Cal, where 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 are you there? I I would have a hard time I would have a hard time believing that they were in on it. Right. That they were complicit in this. But I also have a hard time believing that they didn't question That's right. what was going on and didn't hear rumblings about what was going on and just looked the other way and didn't want to know about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah I would agree with both I would agree with both those statements. Absolutely true, and I just think these people who are, but I think people who are outwardly calling them crooks and like you know they ruin people's lives and you know um, 
you know, destroyed birthright and all this stuff. I, I think that I think it's a little a little much. You know, I'm, I'm not going to call them crooks. The willful ignorance, though. Um, yeah, I mean that that certainly wouldn't. Uh, I, I, I that 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 would make sense. So I don't. Uh, let's put it this way. I think we can all agree that they probably weren't innocent victims here. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. That's sure. Yeah. But but it's funny. I I I personally would still call them victims though. I would. That I think they were. Way. I think they were to a certain extent in that I don't believe that they knew what Bernie Madoff was doing. Right. That's what I but I also don't think they ever questioned the eighteen percent returns they were getting in years where people were getting four. And they were like, well, Bernie's just a genius. We're, you know, we're hearing, we're hearing some things. Really don't care. Keep cashing the check. Now, were they, now, do you, were they stupid or were they, or like you said, were they thinking, I mean, I don't think they're stupid guys. So you're probably right. They're probably like, maybe it's true. We're not going to worry about it. Yeah. Probably- well, but the, but the, the other, the other big thing overall here, guys, is that no one knew the extent no. of what Bernie Madoff was doing. Right. Right. So, right. you know. Like they, you may have heard rumblings here or there that maybe he's doing, maybe some of the things and some of the investments or some of the returns that he was reporting might have been a touch shady, but the right. extent of this man's, uh, of this scheme, is it's right. not an exaggeration to say it's the largest scheme of its kind in the history of mankind. Yeah, like right. no, the recorded is. history of man. Nobody did this. What he did. Right. So I don't think they could have even I don't think they could have even known the scope of it, you know, or expected the scope of it to be there. I think Mets fans get a little they bother me when they literally put them in the category as they were in on it with him and they deliberately ruined hundreds of thousands of people's lives. Can we can we take it easy on that? I think that's yeah. I I I, yeah I I agree with that. I think that's strong. I I totally agree with you there. That said, I agree with everything you said, and I think that that's. uh, realistic and I always wish more um I you mean you go to Mets blog and you read these comment sections and it's just these what these oh, people are saying. People very, I, mean, I can't I there's not a lot of Mets blog I can read anymore. Really. Can't can't read the comments. <laughs> I can't I just can't. The the comments are so you know bile yeah, the yeah. bile filled and, and uh, uninformed and or just confrontational. Like everything's like I'm right and you're wrong. Right, it's like, right, right. I don't, I don't need that. I have that in real life. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. and, and incredibly depressing and and mean yeah. And, yeah. And, and ignorant. It's just like this is garbage, man. Carbage. Yep, it is. All right, Brad. Um, we'll, we will talk to you down the line. Uh, th- please come back on with us uh, real soon. And um, thanks for the time, brother. Guys, I had a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime you want me on, I'd uh, I'd love to hop on. I had a great time. Thank you. Cool. Uh, thanks, Brad. Brad. Uh, so that was Brad Callett uh, from CBSNewYork.com. And, uh, but you can also find his stuff at WFAN.com. Um, and uh, just uh, that's the last time we can ever play that for him, of course. Let's go. Uh, should we mention the Islanders and then just go right to the fun mode? Mention them. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Time for the fun mode. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, you're signaling something there. I don't know what are you signaling. <laughs> cut. You have to cut. Cut, cut it here is what I was saying. Oh, cut.
cut here. saying cut it here. Cut the show so like, here. So in other words, what you've just heard will be one episode. I see. Of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete featuring special guest Brad Callett. Then you're going to cut it here. And then the next thing you're going to hear is the fun load. Is the fun load song. And you'll hear this on two separate days. That's I what I was trying to say to you. I see. You are, uh, you obviously did not study mime in, <laughs> in France uh, for any length of time or period of time. I actually studied it in Montreal. Did it get watered down? Is that, should I have gone to France? It's, yeah, whatever you were doing, that's not, I don't think. That's I mean, moment no, chance. That's, that's not, not moment chance. No. No. What you were doing wasn't even good charades. Yeah. Okay. So uh, thanks to Brad Callett uh, from CBSNewYork.com or WFAN.com. You can find his stuff there. Uh, great conversation with him. Uh, I'm going to cut it here. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.